Hi, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. And I'm Will. And you're listening to The Crusading Couch! Plus one. It is, in fact, plus one. Uh, this week, we have a guest member on the couch, quotation marks, italics. The couch is crowded. Only one of us is sitting on a couch. Uh, our good friend, Caitlin. Uh, I don't know if I'd use the term good. Or friend. <laughs> our mediocre nemesis, Caitlin. Uh, anyway, okay, <laughs> how are you going? So Caitlin actually was the primary picker of the topic uh, for this month. I really like organisation. I also have strange connections to organisation. Uh, some two, two sides of the same coin. I'm the Joker to your Batman. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a complex Robin analogy coming along, but it's not going to be done any time in this podcast. You'll, so you'll, continue. You'll, we'll put it in the comments. Yeah, so we're going to talk about organisation. Um, primarily, we're going to talk about um, uh, organisation as in how to plan out uh, stories and scenarios uh, and planning for scenarios. Uh, but if we've got time, uh, we'll also branch off into some other aspects of organization, um, like, uh, you know, get, make sure everybody gets to places on time. And yeah, we'll come up with a logistical checklist yeah. as possibly a bonus feature, depending on how in-depth we go into this. Yeah, we'll see how we go. So, where to begin? Indeed, where to begin. So, story design is basically, I think, the, the tagline that you could equip this run with in your tagline slot. Just get it in there. Plus one tagline. Plus one tagline. <laughs> okay. So, there's, uh, there's kind of... Uh, there's a lot of different approaches to planning games. Uh, particularly planning scenarios is what I'm mostly focused on. Um, some people like to plan out... Uh, every minute detail um some people like to do complete improvisation uh and yeah it's it's more a spectrum than two paths some people build massive flowcharts uh some people don't do anything and just show up with dice and hope for the best uh (laughs) i think we can all agree that the type of game you want to run, for starters, is going to influence yeah, the indeed. degree of planning that you approach it with. Indeed. So, um, games, and not just games, but stories in general, that have a lot of um, more serious themes uh, will tend to require more planning. But a, a, a good example would be a espionage-heavy game. Uh or even just an investigation game uh, would be super heavy on planning. Whereas, like, a uh, superhero fight uh, would require just having some supervillains ready to go, for example. Yeah, as a general rule of thumb, the more complex... I find anyway, the more complex the theme, what you're trying to do, the more you need to plan. If you're doing a long-running, uh, serious, 
uh, game, if you don't do a certain degree of planning, then it's going to end up slightly imploding upon itself mm. as all the shenanigans the players get up to and their tricks and their interactions. Kim looks like he's about to say something. An interesting thought that I was had banging around in my head earlier today. Is that necessarily true, though? What? The implosion. Yeah. Why? Because your players start to notice things that like, are going wrong. Inconsistency. Like... The classic example of the elven fishing village yeah. <laughs> uh, that we came across in our first I'm D&D game. Also incorporating into this uh, planning uh, would include for me such as <laughs> things like uh, keeping good notations of what your players do as well as actually planning, yeah. so staying on top of what's happening. So if you don't do that and if you don't plan out, well, later on in the game your players might be like, you know, these characters we talk to for whatever reason have suddenly popped up again in a way that makes no sense and seems to contradict their original purpose. Yeah, that's And there is no logical so, explanation for this. Hang on a second. I already talked to this guy about doing this yeah. thing. Why have you forgotten this? Uh, and a, a point related to that is I, um, I don't normally keep notes for what happened in previous games because I have a pretty good memory. I can normally remember the gist of things. Um, but I found after recording the first, uh, lot of, um, the first season of Wild Talents, yes, Turning's Big Bang, that when it came to, uh, writing descriptions, uh, for games, I was having trouble remembering what happened in them. Now, obviously I could just listen to the games, but that can be hard to do when it's a four hour long game. Uh, it was a, even more, uh obvious when it came to uh, Arcanum Quest, because I hadn't been running that, so I could remember even less. Uh, so I s have started taking notes at the end of games, like even just one sentence, like the players did this, this, and this. These are the things that were set up for the next game. Um, and yeah, also it's just something that I have started doing. Implosion statement I gave before might have given slightly the wrong impression. To clarify, I mean not potentially the implosion of the game, but the implosion of facets such as uh, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, you don't want to push uh, that. Which because I tend to approach these things fairly seriously for me is a rather large issue. But I've been in games where the storyteller uh, has been really obvious as a player that they're just being sort of spontaneously rolling with it and it gets to a point if it runs long enough where a lot of what's happening really doesn't make sense or why certain characters are doing things uh, all that kind of shebang mm. it becomes quite noticeable and actually has quite a large impact so do you think the notes can actually negate the minimal planning if you're actually remembering all of these, all of these things that players specifically do point. I, I think, think it they... would help mitigate the negative effects that tend to come with minimal planning um, improvisation is a key part of GMing uh, role playing of role yeah. playing uh, uh, in a broader sense as well yeah. um, it could almost actually be the thing that I think is most important yeah, I reckon I could be. I could follow that, but you can't rely. You cannot. If you rely a hundred percent on improvisation, chances are you your games are not going to be as good as they could be. I actually have a 
a point on this. Mm. Um, I found for myself, I'm not that great at improvisation, but whereas it the, is a strength of mine. Yeah, but the point uh, of planning for me is the more I plan, the it's not necessarily the less I have to improvise, but the more I have to work with when I have to improvise. So there are I've less got, gaps you need to fill. Yeah, if I've got this line planned, if the players decide to go down this route, route, path, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I've also got this one, and then for some reason they take a third option that I haven't thought of, I go, okay, so I've got this basis and this basis, what would happen if I've got this mm. slightly different thing? Okay, which brings me, or brings us quite neatly to a point that I wanted to make earlier, mm -hmm. uh, which was how... Do we have any uh, tips about how to get players from the point that they're at to the point that you want them to be for story purposes? So you have an overarching story and there's a major plot point and you really want them to get them into the plot point. How to get the players engaged in the story that you want to tell and get them going down that way. So you've got plot point A, whatever it is, yeah. and then you haven't... You've got two alternatives but there could be 12 different alternatives different arcs yeah. that they could take to to get to this plot point how and, do you, and obviously you want how do you to roll with that you want to get them to the point without it feeling like a railroad right yeah, and also without feeling forced you don't yeah. want to see yeah. like you just kind of like punching them in the side of the head to keep them on track i mean one going down you want on. to feel like Sorry, naturally. i remember i have a very strong response in that for me it essentially boils down to know your players Know who's playing, know what they want from the game. You probably want a general yeah. idea about both their characters and them, and then you can use that knowledge of them and what they want to organically steer them towards your outcome. And that's okay, not so always. I have a counterpoint to that. Do you design. So, as a DM, personally, Billy, do you design stories for players, or do you pick. Or encourage specific players within the realm, within the players that you know, into s stories that you want to do. I don't pick players, but I design stories that I want to do, and okay. then I will work with the players that I have in the mm. game about how to guide them there. Shall we say? The thing that I was going to say that Billy was mentioning about knowing your players is there's an aspect that we haven't really explored too much although I believe Caitlin has uh, and that is running games for people that you have never met I believe you have run games at uh, oh, yeah. good, good Game Once <laughs> How'd that go? It was fine yeah. um, it was just a, a pre-planned Pathfinder uh, yeah, so adventure was, path yeah. one, okay. so you know it wasn't my own story so in that instance, it, you can't really know the players. And, and part of a way to get them on board in those scenarios um, where... And you can apply this to other things, like even when you know the players. You can just make sure that they are aware of the goals and aims of that scenario from the outset. Uh, by So if you were running... And I'll use an example from RPPR recently. They ran a game called Shanghai. The premise of it being that you have been Shanghai from uh, San Francisco during the gold rush in California. Uh, and now you're on a ship 
and you're going somewhere and you yeah you're going to get paid but you had not intended to be on this all of the players were on board for that scenario they had uh. they all knew what yes i hadn't thought of that joke actually <laughs> all of them uh were told in advance that you. this was going to be the scenario and this is what they were going to be playing but one of them even with knowing that decided to play a character that would be oppositional to basically the premise of the game. Uh, that sucks when you have a player who's oppositional that's to everything you want to do. That's an interesting discussion in itself. I had that happen with, to a lesser degree as a player when I was in Kim's Arcade so, game. To clarify, are we talking about... Well, I'm just saying that if you, you can... Another way to get... To, to bring it all back to what Kim was asking originally... Another way to get players from wherever they are to the plot point that you want them to be at, like that starting plot point, is to tell them that you want them to be at that point. Um, saying, uh, your characters are here and there is this thing that I would like to do. Uh, and then they might have suggestions of how to get their characters to that location. Um, that sort of front-ended op front openness in games is not something that is often explored or utilised in um, games well, I have found. Imagine that a common uh, conception about that would be that the element of surprise is lost by the players Indeed. knowing in even in some kind of vagary what is going to happen to their characters. Indeed, and there's always there's got to be a balance that you've got to strike there. Like, how much of the scenario can you reveal without ruining the scenario? I will actually say on that point, um, I have as a DM had a lot of trouble with Wilfred's character in one of uh, the games that we're playing recently because he's terrified of everything and he runs away from anything that's happening and splits up the party constantly. That's not... It's 100% true. <laughs> it's 100% accurate. Um, but Wilfred, knowing the plot already, has, yeah. he's actually come to me and said, uh, if you want me to just do this uh, without, like, ignore this character aspect of mine and just go with what I know I want you want the plot to be, uh, he's willing to do that. But I don't want mm. him to ignore character for the sake of my plot. Indeed. That's an excellent point um, in that whole front open thing. Like, it shouldn't be... I want your characters to be here, now get yourselves there at the expense well, of your characters. It's interesting because there is in many ways that sort of implicit, uh, uh, perhaps intentional, more likely unintentional expectation when you tell people, when you're players, you work this out, that you want them to be here and you expect them to be here at the end, mm. which they will most probably take on board. Yeah, indeed. I think... Um, you see this a lot more in one-shots, in my opinion. Indeed, uh, like a, a great thing um, that I have heard re a lot recently, and I'm sure I've mentioned it previously, is if you're going to do a dungeon crawl, start with the players either having just walked into the dungeon or at the front door. Don't start them, like, at the tavern and then have them travel to there. Unless the actual purpose of this scenario is to travel there. Um, this is relevant as well to the planning and how to get the players where you want, which Kim asked, because in a mm. long-running game, the end goal is often a lot more nebulous, and the game constantly on how you structure your as well game. as the players go into the world and become immersed with it. 
It can be a lot more lenient. Yeah, in you a don't long running game in a one shot. You are pretty more, much yeah. everyone just goes for. As the Raymond said, yeah, you're pressed yeah. for you're more pressed for time. You're there to clear shot. the dungeon. Like everyone rocks yeah. up, and they know that's the thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, or if they don't, they know that they're going to have the goal. Mm. Whereas in a long shot one, it's a lot more potential for deviancy. Indeed. Um, on the topic of uh, like long running games, I think Kim had a point related Ooh. to this. We, Kim and I hashed out some stuff beforehand. Oh yeah. <laughs> so planning planning for runs, fixed length versus open ended. So if you've got a nebulous campaign, or or, or you have a long running campaign with a nebulous end goal, mm. does that mean that there's actually more flexibility in terms of what you can get done in every run, and you don't have like a fixed number of runs? I know that Raymond has been working on the basis of I plan this to go for eight runs. Ten is the current number, but ten, yes. whatever, a number of runs, and then that's the thing with this longer running campaign, like like a, probably a lot of people who aren't us tend to engage in. Um, yeah, like the standard D&D yeah, campaign. Yeah, which runs for, for six years or something I, like I that. I only like long-running campaigns. So. I like long-running, but I, I like... <laughs> not being a game. Oh, no, I'm not asking you what you like. Yeah, I'm no, 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 indeed. We don't care no, what how? you like, Raymond. No, I don't care yeah. what you like. Hey, let's go <laughs> for how you organise that. So we've, yeah. got, we've got a long-running specialist over here, an endurance runner, and a dwarf. <laughs> Because he's a sprinter. Dwarves are natural sprinters. Uh, so I've done, I've done all three really. I've done True Nebulous, which I didn't really enjoy. Can I also just say quickly that I think a True Nebulous game is not a game the storyteller has planned for adequately at all. That is a fa- fair point. Uh, I've also done This Is the End Point and. A vague uh, sense of time. I didn't do that particularly well, but that is for different reasons. Um, and also, there's obviously the uh, the fixed time. I found with the fixed time, I don't start the game having an end point in mind. I let that evolve naturally. Um, this was. This didn't work as well with the first Wild Talents game because we got to four runs in before I really worked out what I was doing. Whereas in the Better Angels game, it took me three hours to work out where I was going. Like, by the end of the first run, I knew where everything was going to culminate. I have a number of questions on the fixed run, mainly around... How railroady do you need to be to get plays, or how planned do you need to be to get plays where you want them to be in the fixed time limit? Also, not really you... at all. Um, like, because I know people I played with have a severe tendency to not intentionally, but just what's the word I'm looking for? Get distracted in game. There's not really that much opportunity for that in my. Do you in think the Better Angels game, at least. Do you think that character is sacrificed in a fixed length game? Thank because you, Because they actually do have to get... I would actually say yes. There yeah. is some character sacrifice. You don't get as much of the... Um, like, when you don't have a, f- a fixed time, you don't have as much time to just... 
for the you can't just say, all right, in this run, do what you wish, and the players just dick around and whatnot. Um, I mean, I obviously try to plan when I'm planning out a scenario. I try to um, allow for time for the players to um, do stuff out completely outside of what I have planned. I try to get that going at the front end of a game uh, so that I can then thread it into the greater story. Um, an excellent example of how I've done this is probably the um, Murder at Matic Station game. Like I told you guys from the straightaway, you're going to have an hour at the beginning of the game where literally the entire thing that you, ha that you have is you can just explore this town. Like, I do not care what you do, there will be a, an, a, a thing that will trigger at a certain point. Uh, so that let... Uh, Wilfred and Kim's characters. Uh, let Wilfred, my owners. Yeah, let Wilfred and Kim explore their characters, uh, and then uh, and then we got into that normal one shot uh, aspect. The problem with that immediately is that only really works in one shots because a lot of the time that players get distracted in uh, longer games is not at the start finding the characters. It's that they progress down the plot. They suddenly start off shooting because they might have a long conversation with NPC. That they want to follow up later on, which takes several hours uh, over think, a number of runs. It doesn't happen in one mm. block. It happens like a tree. It begins at the roots, goes up, and branches out. That's really nice imagery. That's really good. Everyone comes together, and then they go through together, and then they split off. So um, what? I reckon. Sorry. Long term, the yes. long the long campaign. Yes. What do you think? What do you do? What's the what's the planning? What's the what's the Caitlin checklist? Tell us now. For 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 to, to We're gonna it. put this up on BuzzFeed, the, the Caitlin checklist. The first thing that you really want is an end goal. That's yeah. uh one hundred percent what I think uh, I agree. you need to start a long campaign with. Um so <coughs> uh for instance I cannot think of anything at the moment. Um Stop the great <laughs> evil. Yes. Yeah. Stop, stop the great evil that you've got this. But then you want to go, okay, I have these. Uh, so that we want the characters to meet this great evil and see why they're yeah. so bad and, you know, have a bit of an interaction. So you want a couple of points in the middle as well. Um, but it's... Yeah. <laughs> every every even long running games need to have an end. This is ties back to before. Where I was like a, a nebulous game is not well planned. I think you said in a previous um, game, a previous recording of uh, Crusading Couch, how um, things that just continue on needlessly. Actually, it might have been the last one. In planning, having endpoint also allows you to plan out. What you want, like Caitlin said, what you want to happen in the middle allows you to plan fields, yeah. what you hope people to accomplish, how you want to guide them to accomplish yeah. this thing. The whole thing can spawn from a specific, this is what I want the climax of this to be. Mm. Related to that, um, and then directing into a different topic, is... Before we, Sorry, before go. Before we go into a different topic, uh, I do also just want to say um, that is one of my problems, one of my main problems with your... Um, this many runs mm. kind of thing uh, it doesn't seem to have a point to me I'm uh, the it doesn't feel as I want a solid plot I want oh, that's fair you enough. know when I'm going through to have 
uh, oh yeah, this is this is what we're doing. This is what my character's kind of doing over here. Uh, but this is what we're working towards. Hmm, that's um, fair enough. There is more of that in the second half, which we have yet to get to, but fair enough. prefer that rather than you guys have ten runs to encounter stuff and do yeah. these things. And I will work out what's happening through that. Mm. I, I mean, that's I fair enough. I find it that enjoyable. Um, there's... It's a lot more uh, clear in the Wild Talents one because... Uh, the end goal is easier to work towards, in that the end goal of that one was, we're gonna destroy this thing! Whereas this one is more, the players have to win a bet. It also really helps in the first run to have a solid, uh, kind of, maybe railroady-ish plot. Indeed. Because when you plonked us into the world in, um, Better Angels in the first run. It was just kind of like, you're here, what do you do? And we were like, what can I do? don't know. My character is a person, I guess. I don't really know what my character is. There is a reason. Do. I don't know it that, that well. Classic archetype for a D&D fantasy of uh, these heroes meet. Yeah. And then something Indeed. happens immediately that they have to solve. Indeed. It's a yeah, lot Evan, okay. it's a lot easier way to get I a game. I was wondering anyway. where you're going with that. So yeah, you think you know. that in the fixed run, uh, in the fixed Length in the fixed number of runs campaign style mm. that the organic nature of a plot is lost. Yes. I think that is an excellent point that you can actually go out the other side with an open ended length of campaign with extensive planning that that organic nature can still be lost. I agree. Um, yes, definitely. If you plan too much, you can let your players plan because you nail much. so you many can things totally down plan too and much. you want them to do these specific things that you've planned, the organic nature of the interaction between the characters and the plot I think can be lost, which if, it yeah. will result you, in if, side note, I'm gonna write something down. It will result maybe you if you players being disappointed. If you set up we need to hit these checkpoints. You will get really sick of hitting those checkpoints. I will actually say on that, that's not technically a fault of uh, over planning. That's a fault of the DM forcing you to stick to what they have planned. Indeed. But it is so, possible so that, that may so I previ- previously said that uh, you don't want to plan. You do not want to overplan. It's really hard to define exactly what is over planning um and it, it's uh, it's like love you don't know it until you're until you found it until it's too late yeah. until it's too late scaly clutches until you've over planned too far which probably this probably relates back to one of our earlier episodes relating to what makes a good gm and what's a good player yeah. and not and, and even being not too attached to your own plots Yes. So maybe yeah. a good yeah. DM should be in love with their own plot too much, and an overplanning DM yeah. certainly shouldn't, because they'll try and force the characters yeah. in. That's, you, that's what I was going to say. I'm not a strong character with good willpower, and I would just be like, no, this is my fucking story. All you fuckers need to fucking get in with the jam and listen to these plot points that I'm giving you, bitches. Do it. Do I, it now. I, I wonder if mini series one shots are the games for you. Then don't. <laughs> tend to o- over plan yeah. um, uh, because I try and force characters like Raymond's character into specific plot uh, yeah, points anyway. even though I explain the idea. We won't get into how I could have been better in that. Yes, but the point is is that I could have 
been more flexible with that plot. Indeed. And in the future, I can see if I do another run where I have a strong investment in the plot, yeah. that I will try and force characters at the expense of the organic nature of the interaction between characters and plot, which is the thing that I mentioned here on a piece of paper. I can uh, uh, guarantee that is what he showed us. Uh, he was not lying. Yeah. So, so help me, Caitlin. Well, help me. Well, the help me to not love myself so much. It's really hard with you. The thing that, yeah, Kim basically said everything I was going to say in that if you plan too much. And obviously, nothing that we say in this is true of everyone and all examples. Uh, if you plan too much, you can become too attached to what you have planned. It is only natural uh, if you and put then, a shit ton of work into something. And, yeah, and then be less likely to uh, bend it and uh, let it go. But, but yeah, as, I, as I said, I don't, I don't think that this is a problem with over-planning, because I plan a lot of my worlds. Like, I can confirm this. Well, <laughs> Wilfred can in fact confirm this. So how I many? So much. I plan like all these little tiny things that never come up ever. Um, and specifically for plot, I will plan very specific things. But, you know, if players go off it, I'll go, oh, why are you doing this? I hate you. And you can do it. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, I mean, it's what I... Do you ever try and bring them back? not to the... You kind of... It might be possible to bring <laughs> up a plot point another Wilfred's time. Wilfred's nodding. Wilfred's nodding. You do. You I don't You don't overbearingly try. It's like, guys, you have an option if you choose to take it. That's also, you know, because players are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> they are. I also think there's an... In planning and organisation, there's two facets of this as well, so you, that are relevant. You have your actual planning of the story and the plot, which we're kind of talking about. You also have your planning of organisation. So, Caitlin tends to get super carried away if she has a dungeon. That dungeon is, like, completely not mapped out <laughs> and everything is organised. Uh, and, you know, what I happens... Don't, I don't even run games where uh, maps and positioning people, are important. I really like dungeons. If people press a button in that dungeon, it leads to ABC effects in this massive chain accumulates in Z and that is unyielding and unchanging whereas with actual story planning she is more flexible mm. it's that's because people change but worlds don't. yes that is an important point though I felt that needed to be made um, so there's a difference in planning the world and planning the story that is yes. that is world. an interesting point and I don't want to go down this tangent too much but um what you've said is completely up to the style of storyteller you wish to be and the the types of stories you want to tell and and something that we wanted to touch on is how different game types actually require different levels of planning and yeah. in some games and in some so games if you plan too much, you actually are no longer playing that game properly. So, some systems also have a very defined world. That is also true. So, I'm gonna not play the, with that. The, the dungeon example was a very micromanaged. For me, kind of that's like, no, like the epic, the epic fantasy 
yeah. things like Pathfinder D and D. Yeah. Um, I think that dungeons specifically should be should stay the same. You don't want to have your players wander into a dungeon. Oh, they press this horrible "it's going to kill you" button, but because you don't want to kill that character, it's not going to do the thing. So you're going to change it a bit to not do this thing. Indeed, there is a there is a balance to be struck in yeah. how um, flexible you want a world to be, and there's nothing wrong with what Caitlin is saying of being in that aspect. Uh, this is the structure, and that structure isn't going to change. Um, that is perfectly uh, yeah. reasonable I've, way of structuring. I've always thought that in systems where combat can get a bit grindy, um, that one thing that I aspire to and have never ever done is build like an environmental fail safe into each combat environment I have so attempted this previously it, yes then they can end they, then they can end the really grindy combat against the giant beast that has a thousand hit points in like a turn because mm. they made the logs collapse yeah. the problem with that one is that uh, things like um Basically Ironically, things like Pathfinder, which have very set specific rules, this is what this thing does and that's what you can do with it. Yeah. It doesn't lend itself yeah. to being physics. Creative. Well, I think that all mechanics but, in every yeah. single system can be bent, but I'm... Indeed, but certain systems... <laughs> in that belief, Certain systems that if are the, easier to bend that, than others. That if the mechanic doesn't do what I want it to do, then that, then that mechanic can be dispensed. Like, every single mechanic. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's actually one of the major gripes that Wilfred and I have with the uh, second edition World of Darkness stuff. Because uh, it's making. You mean all World of D&D? Yeah. So. D&D Darkness? That you just. It does this one thing. It That's what it work does. For I would play Dungeons and Darkness. It's not great. World, it's not great. World, world, uh, world and Dragons. Yeah, World and Dragons. World and Dragons. I mean, it's just Shadowrun, really. Dungeons of Darkness. I'd say so. Dragons and cyborgs. Um, I do. I do like like that failsafe option you've put in. I think is actually quite cool. If that's off topic. That's just indeed. Um, so a couple of examples of so systems. Yeah, a, we're a going back of, to talk yeah. about systems. Yeah, sorry. A couple of examples of systems. We're at, we're at halfway, by the way. Uh, right. A couple of example of uh, systems that have different approaches that should. Re- uh, solicit rather different approaches to story planning. Um, one example uh, that we recently discovered is Dungeon World. Uh, in Dungeon World, the game setting is meant to be nebulous, uh, and then the players fill it in uh, using certain roles. Uh, yep. I believe the primary one is Spout Law, where they roll to basically. The, yeah, the, they their character is res, uh, recalling facts that the character knows, but the player is just making that up on the fly in yeah. that moment. And then they do become, facts. and then that becomes, that becomes the world world canon. Basically. Uh, so in that one, if you planned your setting too much, uh, then it would fall apart. Although when I say s- a, a better way of saying that is, uh, it works 
more um, when you don't plan out the scenario. Mm. Having the world structured on a macro level is fine. So like, this is the shape of the world. These are all the major nations. These are the people. That sort of level of structuring is fine. But it's when you get down to like the specifics of what is in a town, that should be left completely vague so that the players can shape that. Like with some vague... In, uh, uh, suggestions like um, the one that I recently a uh, game I recently listened to was called the ghost library and that was pretty much all that had been laid out it was a ghost library and then it turned out that like the spirits of books and there were robot librarians that used to be real librarians and things like that and those things all evolved from what the players had put into the piece someone was watching, watching a lot of Doctor Who yeah <laughs> Yes, yes, I hadn't thought of that. Mm. Although it was a little more steam yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> another one is um, Numenera, where the player, where the, the GM pretty much just picks things. It doesn't require as much uh, planning uh, in advance. It, every, all the monsters are written up and you just read I them. I think this is where it's important to differentiate again between planning and organisation because you still presumably need to have a world and... Oh indeed, what. I'm just giving some different yeah. examples. So but like The planning yeah. that goes into what players encounter, for instance, can be... Oh yes, indeed. Thing. So the this organization is... organisation of the specific... Yeah. 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 This is whereas whereas Dungeon World... Whereas, the Dungeon, Dungeon World, World example... interesting yeah. because it's actually taking what is micromanaged from before mm. and making it vague in the hands yeah. of the players. Yeah, whereas with Numenera... It's I thought it was actually going to be the other way around when yeah. we were talking about that before. I thought, yeah. like, world was like, I come from a village in this country that no yeah. one's ever heard of because it's on the far yeah. side of I mean, the you could do and that. they make up that kind of stuff, but the town is yeah. actually the specific thing that you put them in so it's all very yeah. defined and stuff but obviously yeah. not Where, so yeah I chose these examples and there's a third that I will go over briefly um, because they're all different ways of approaching this uh, about of, the inflexible of, system we have yeah. examples of an inflexible system yeah I I, I've got some um I can think of a few. Does anyone else have some? Raymond's been talking for a long time. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But anyway, the thing I was going to say is Numenera, whereas Dungeon World is completely restructuring, Numenera is a step back from the standard D&D type of planning. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I won't go into Base Raiders, which has pretty much... And I'll, I'll, like, I'll just mention briefly. In Base Raiders, you, as the players, build the dungeon that you're about to go and raid. Uh, whereas uh, the GM just takes your ideas like, yeah, I'll cobble that together into something that works. Uh, yeah. So what about a system for your story? Yeah, that's an See, excellent point. If you got a story... Really are you talking about a system that suits the feel of your story or the mechanics? If you think Both. of the story first and then go, uh, oh, I need to find a system for this, is that way? Yeah, that's, that's part of the question. I think that that would shoot. That's, that's I, that would be that'd be the way I approach it. So I'm I gonna would, I'm gonna let everyone else speak because I've been talking a lot, as Kim said. Yeah, I, I would really tend to get ideas from um, the faith system. So well, it's another quarter of the question. <laughs> How many quarters are there to this question? Four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Give me I don't know. It could be a um, irrational faction. Fraction or something. So, like, Not good at math. Um, World of Darkness, I was reading up uh, a bunch of things from the different types of ones that there are, and I was reading up about the um, 
minor templates. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had like a group of people playing minor templates? Uh, but how would I get them all together? Oh, I could have them all think that they're, uh, you know, regular humans working for this hunter organization. I so. remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and I got all of the group to keep a secret from each other that they were actually a minor template. It was great. It was pretty fun. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I was so that's, two templates. So that's an example of a system spawning an idea. What about? So that, that, that's that's an idea that comes from a system. So that's that's I one would, quarter. Have you? You've had campaign ideas, Billy. Pick one <laughs> we hope. Your, pick one of your campaign ideas and tell us why. You and it doesn't have to be system. a campaign that you have run yet. No, by the it way. can be anything, like a campaign that you've got to brainstorm for. Or okay, so an interesting example in this is. Uh, something uh, thing that I enjoy reading uh, I was one day I was just like this would actually make a really fun uh, game to do uh, and then it what's was the, what's the thing what were you reading uh, it's a manga called Nejima uh, it's essentially a fantasy type thing oh, okay um, but then it was like okay I can see why you didn't tell us that up front the only person <laughs> that would ki- be would care yeah, is you I'm, I'm not fussed um, so, it then became a process of, okay, so this is kind of cool. What system could I find that this would actually work in? So mm. that kind of an opposite to, okay, uh, an opposite to you get your uh, inspiration from the system is, here is the idea I want to do, uh, what do I have available that So what system are you thinking? I would probably have to go with Pathfinder for that one, and that sort of comes down to a choice in feel and atmosphere. Mm. Oh, that's a topic. Okay, so this brings us back to the two other quarters of the question. What are the other quarters? Which, which uh, Billy raised earlier, which was feel or mechanics. So, so we've so there's been system inspiring idea, idea finding a system, and then do you with that sub question? Do you, oh God, sub quarters. Do you do you pick eight? Do you pick that system based on its feel, like? you wanted to do a transhumanism adventure in space so you do it in eclipse phase or it was a gritty horror film thing which means you would do it in anything but world of darkness because it's not really horror anyway preach (coughs) so it doesn't do horror as well as it could okay anyway uh we don't do horror yeah well that too so so Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying. Mechanics or feel, which is a question that Billy asked. I think that, and I have expressed this before, the mechanics actually have, or should have, part of the theme uh, and style of the game inscribed into it. So uh, you can tell a lot about a game by analysing its mechanics. So you can tell that Eclipse Phase is meant to primarily be a horror game by the fact that it has such uh, intricate, I guess is the closest word, uh, rules for the way in which uh, you uh, lose sanity and are affected by uh, strangeness. So the fact that the mechanic of mental damage exists in that world at all and your character can actually effectively die yeah. by going too crazy makes it a horror makes it a horror game. I'm going to informs here, that decision. Because there can be instances of the mechanics reflect what the game is all about but are still potentially not suitable. So you might have 
you want to do a fantasy adventure. Pathfinder. Pathfinder's mechanics are all about fantasy, but you might also be like, for what I have in mind, I really don't want a mechanics-heavy game. That makes sense. Indeed. So obviously there so are going to be within the system. Yes. Yeah. Because it has the feel, but not necessarily the way you wish to present that. Well, that's why you should uh, attempt to cultivate a knowledge of multiple systems. Um, like I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure that there are more. Actually, yes, I can think of one off the top of my head. Dungeon World is a more rules-like fantasy uh, game. Uh, now that doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be the style. To you're answer going your for. question as well, I yeah. think feel is more important because mechanics can be altered. Yeah, it's true. That see, I don't feel that f the feel of your game is as separated from the mechanics. Because it's not, it's not, it's not completely separated. Yeah, indeed. I have a point on that. Yeah. Um, uh, the I'm actually my opinion of Better Angels is heavily affected by the fact that I really hate the system. The mechanics do nothing for me. Really. I, I really hate it. I feel like I can't do anything. But you would argue they embody do anything, the feel. You have to have like if you've got less than six dice. You go into a role going, I'm probably going to fail this. What's the point? That's fair, fair and point. And there are things that you literally just can't do because you have one dice. You can't even try. I... Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, when you're trying to be, you know, uh, in a superhero, supervillain game, hmm. to feel like you can't do things. Which is almost how you are in every role-playing game. You kind of want to feel a little bit like better. You, like a little bit, a little yeah, bit better than human. Like, so everyone is a hero. I, I, uh, I recently way. was thinking about that topic, actually. of, um, And I think that and this isn't really explained very well and I certainly didn't uh, really pick up on it until recently in Running Better Angels. I think that it is intended to be you are meant to focus on the things that you are good at and you are meant to uh, attempt to uh, sin and repent to get those things better. The point is the whole system just makes me, uh, you know, it, so it doesn't fit with how I think that the game should feel. So I mean, that's an excellent for the listeners, is this a case of, as sort of what we were talking about before, you feel that the mechanics... Uh, do work with the system, but you just dislike the mechanics themselves. I also dislike the mechanics themselves. <laughs> okay. But as I just said, yeah. no, I. It... Indeed, I understand. This sort what of really exemplifies out. how interconnected the mechanics and the feel of a system can actually be. So, what Caitlin actually brought up about Better Angels is similar to the way that I feel about World of Darkness. Super important question before you start. Indeed. Relevant. Do you feel that better angels would work better if the concept was the same, but it was transplanted to a yes. different system? Yes, 100%. Okay, that's what I'm going for. I think that the thing better that Caitlin is talking about with better angels could be fixed by... You're also biased. Well, everyone is biased forever, for always. Um... Uh, the point that Caitlin has made could be uh, altered by uh, simply changing uh, the uh, amount of dice associated with a thing. Like, it is not... It doesn't 
that require. means changing the system. This well, yeah, but it doesn't really... Uh, I just felt that the way in which that answer had been uh, given like suggested that the entire thing needed to be thrown out and rebuilt, which I disagree with. I wasn't implying that at all. That's why I clarified. Um, yeah. The... What was the other thing I was going to say? In fact, I'm pretty sure that for everything that I've run, I've changed some rules because they were dumb or didn't make sense. Mm. So, are we on to the next sub (laughs) sub quarter? Was there another quarter? I can't remember. No, it was feeling quarter. Oh, and then I'm like, nah, it's one quarter. No, we've covered covered systems, uh, giving ideas, ideas, and finding systems, and then the other two quarters were basically feel, which was one quarter, and mechanics, which is another quarter. But talking about mechanics... That basically is it. I was about to say, oh, mechanics versus emotion. Immersion? Emotion. Okay. Ah, that's quite interesting. As in... But we just kind of covered that. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, here's here's another thing going back to story design rather than organization or uh, of like uh like micro organizational planning runs mm. uh, or not planning runs scenarios settings mechanics yep mechanics is the overarching campaign plot where we talked about where like in a long term one we have an end goal yeah. and then we have yeah. like three or four points that are building up to that end goal to say why the bad guy is the bad guy or whatever uh, versus character plot because there's obviously like uh, character mm. motivations that always go into these kinds of things and in longer uh, longer running campaigns each individual character tends to develop their own personal goals that are often different from was, the campaign yeah. goal and how often how what, what, how can we reconcile this often a character's personal goals can be sort of sidelined by a desire to for the players and the storyteller to uh, continue on with the plot um, like uh, if your character wanted to raise an army uh, that might not necessarily fit very well into the plot or theme of the game Yeah, um, which could have been solved by the player just changing that character to not have that but uh, you know whatever I actually think that, in general, uh, separate character plots can be easily worked in Into. to the overall plot. For example, um, uh, Parker had a... Uh, Some weird ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need a mate! Overall, I worked in some of his uh, backstory plot mm, to main plot. Uh, just because of how it worked. Which also makes for a much more satisfying main yeah. plot. It is... It, uh, I, I, I want to link this to another thing that I wanted to talk about earlier, but I want to let you guys talk about it more first. Unless you've got another... Fuck it and taking it. Uh, so, something that is really important is... Uh, to generalise first and go into specifics. Uh, front-end planning is going to save you... a ton of time in the future and this is important in not just story planning but everything a little bit of planning early on can save you truckloads of planning down the track um it is true of creative projects like building something it is true of uh business of 
uh, study and definitely of story. Yeah. So what's the what's the point you're working in? The here? point that I was gonna get to was talking to your players before the game uh, and working out the sort of stories they want to tell, the themes you want to explore, uh, explaining to them what you think that this game and system uh, is about, uh, and then also asking them uh, what they think. Uh, and, and that helps you do what you were talking about, like having knowing a character's backstory, uh, there might be some elements of that that you can feed into the main story. Or there might be um, a... Uh, idea for the main story that you hadn't even considered and works like way better than what you had planned. Um, I had that happen in the middle of a fantasy game I was running where someone was like, oh, are those metal pieces the map? And I'm like, ah, oh, that would have been way better. They're just random bits of metal. Fuck. As an example. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I think that you're right in terms of uh, in, in terms of uh, front or, end in, in terms of front end planning, but the uh, non role playing examples that you have provided, mm. uh, when you uh, translate those into uh, a role playing context, don't necessarily involve talking yeah. to the players. That's also true. Um, it's just that that was the specific stuff that I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but if you're designing how to build the table. And then you kind of like bring. There's no player aspect yeah. in this. Like the well, yeah, is true. the table, and the designer well, is you. I'm currently designing yeah. a table rather for than role say, playing. Rather people going, oh, I really prefer it if the table kind of looked this way. Well, that actually That's is actually a, a good point. That is yeah. an excellent part of. I mean, they uh, can, that is, they can that come is, in. They that can actually in. that example specifically does actually carry over yeah. into the design yes, of objects. Yeah. But it does. Like what I'm saying is that the the opinions of the players are not an integral part integral part of front end planning, but they are an optional no. part, which sort of adds weight to your point, Raymond, yeah. because. Um, I'm glad uh, because now because now it has a, a more widely applicable sense. Like uh, for those of you fearing the, I don't know if I want to talk to my players about major plot issues prior to them happening because yeah. I don't want to ruin supplies. You don't supplies surprise <laughs> surprise a surprise. You don't have to because yeah, you just, just ask knowing them. yeah, which uh, yeah, knowing shit. I didn't know Me? the things with the Parker were going to happen. I'm just like yeah, she's a mage because why not? Also point out for me in role playing specific front planning does not involve the plays. Because the front planning is me going, okay, I've got this idea, I'm gonna build this idea, I work on an idea, then I go to, hey, do you wanna come jump in this well, game? That's... Here's a little bit I'll, of information, uh, and then that forms the base. And then you start talking to the players and they start talking to you. I mean, that's completely down to the way in which you wanna tell a story. Like, uh, at the moment, I'm in this whole thing of I wanna include as much of the player input as I can. And sometimes that actually ends up falling apart because the players are like, oh, fucking no. Uh, which, you know, it's fine. You, you work with what you got. Um, yeah, it's, it's all about... A lot of what we're saying is gonna come down to uh, and a lot of what we're saying on this podcast in general is going to come down to the way in which you individually uh, feel about it um, and the your design uh, aesthetics and things like that in this in this topic of design. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which, which brings us neatly back <laughs> to basically where we began. Really? I think. Okay. I think I think that that's nice and circular. We're back to planning. Uh, plan, planning your runs and actually thinking that that's generally a good idea. <laughs> the consensus being fucking do it, dude. And if, yes. you, and if you want to, yes. and if you want to, and if you want to uh, include players in that process, like Raymond has suggested, then yeah. you can totally do so. Indeed. One, one thing I wanted to ask: um, How do you guys generally go about planning a run? I don't. Hmm. To be honest. You don't plan a run at all. Uh, well, the most recent DMing experience that you I had, had was actually with Arcanum Quest, and that so wasn't cool. really planning runs, that was transcribing runs. Game, <laughs> and then working out all of the plot and uh, actually having like That's full. Planning. That's planning. Yeah, 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 but this is a completely different example. Like when I was. The, the other. It's a different type of planning, the, the, but it's the still other planning. DM. The other DMing experience before that, you were all involved in. We were. And uh, planning for that basically went as far as me finding a D&D automatic loot generating site online. And that campaign imploded. And that campaign imploded, which is a perfect example. <laughs> mm. So essentially, planning amounts to time and effort. So in your Arcanum one, you put in a lot of time and effort. Yes. Not necessarily... Planning in the traditional sense, but yeah. doing your thing. Whether, whether that is someone yeah. else's plot that you're uh, uh, transcribing, adapting. That's the word, adapting to the tabletop role playing game or whatever, or whether you're actually making your own plot. Mm. Mm. Planning, yes. I've already answered well. So, yeah, I had, I had a no planning thing, and the whole thing <laughs> fell apart in two runs. And then I had a fixed length, fully planned thing, and it came out okay. The way that I normally uh, plan... The way that I plan a campaign is absorbing as much material about the thing as I can and then seeing what coalesces. The way that I plan an individual run is normally... I think of an idea or a premise or a plot thread or something that I want to come up in it, and then I think... What am I going to need bare bones to make this work? Um, I put a lot more planning into thinking about how I'm going to structure an Eclipse Phase game than how I'm going to structure Better Angels, for example. And I'm sure that shows, but, you know, that's the way I've decided to run it. Um, the... Yeah, I, I try to... I find my, my core plot thread, and then I sort of slap on some clay and shape it vaguely and then you put the finishing touches on in the game normally um if i know i'm gonna need a character i make sure i have it if i know i'm gonna need a thing i try to make sure that i have it uh, yeah to quickly wrap this up as i said before i essentially reverse engineer in a similar fashion to raymond i go this is what i want to happen and then build everything from that Okay. Similar design premise, di drastically different results. Um, I was going to say, what? How do you design? I I tend to go, okay, this is uh, what I want to happen in this run. Dot point, dot point, dot point. These are the characters mm. who are probably going to show up. I'll design the characters. 
uh, make sure I know everything that I need to know. Mm. Um, think of different ways that things can happen. Players will ruin it, no doubt. But we you know, try. You try. Because players are players. Um, ah! Yeah, generally that's how it that's how it goes uh, over the course of a week. Um, I did also want to mention uh, one thing that I have noticed because Wilfred and I, uh, people have mentioned to us that we seem to have very similar amounts and styles of organising uh, and how much we plan. I just realised we didn't end up talking about that thing nearly as much as I wanted to. Continue. Yes. I'm just mentioning it now. Um, and I've actually noticed Wilfred and I are running a uh, co-running a campaign at the moment with two different parties um, and when we're planning he doesn't write anything down oh I don't write down at all like I ain't got time for that it's like he does so much planning but he leaves it all in his head yeah that's what I do and I was going to mention that but I can't obviously I can't read his thoughts so yet I will I will end up with uh, having to pester him constantly for like What's this character do? You've written down this one thing about this character, and I have no idea who they are or what they're doing there or uh, what you want to happen with this. Mm. Uh, and then frustrating for Caitlin, I can go, okay, bam, 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 bam. And she goes, but this isn't written down. How do how, I know? How will I remember this? <laughs> it, it's, I didn't come up with this. Uh, I'm not going to remember it in like five weeks when I need it. So please write it down, but it won't. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm trying. He's trying. I've started. I I write down. I try to let uh, write out a running order um, for games that I know are going to involve a lot of intricate plot, like a clips phase. I'll be like, this has to happen this in this order and this way and this thing. Uh, but that is a rough guide. I do have a run plan. He does have a run plan. I write everything down. Yeah, I write that, literally yeah. everything down. And if players do something, I write it down. Because I know that I won't remember. And I record all my runs as well, for just in case I miss something. I record all my runs now too, but for different reasons. the bird, Caitlin. <laughs> um, you got to open the door and let it run free. Uh, <laughs> Carry on, yeah. please. I don't, I don't really have anything more that I want to talk about directly on this topic, but there is something that I will mention. Um, uh, does anyone else have anything they want I'm, to discuss? I'm pretty, I'm pretty done. I really like this recording uh, today. It was pretty good. It was a lot better than last week's. Thank last you, Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Caitlin. She's the lucky nebulous campaign. Um, so the thing I was going to say is a lot of what we've talked about about planning, it may be really daunting um, for some of you if you are new GMs. You might be like, oh, I, I just I can't do that. I can't plan out that much. Don't worry about it. Um, if you are a new GM, it is way more important that you just run something and get your hands dirty. Players yep. will forgive you. Indeed. And Especially if you're new. They will. We, However, are, we have all been GM and we all done fucked up. Will exactly. not forgive you some if you point. don't plan. He will hunt you down. Like, yeah. if you are a... If you that's are not a scary concept. And your he'll just stand in the corner not hugging you. He'll just <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed. And yeah, you should be uh, afraid of that. You should. Yeah, if you are, if you're at home and you're like, oh, I don't, I can't plan out that much. I don't know the thing. Like, just give it a go. If you've played in a role-playing game before, use that system because you'll be familiar with it. If you haven't played in anything before, pick something that sounds interesting, 
and just have a crack at it. Like in creative endeavors, um, I feel that having an attempt early on is way more important than trying to have a structured product. Um, it's super important in writing. It's a very common piece of writing advice. Just write. Just write. Like it will be shit. It'll be terrible. It is the whole premise of um, NaNoWriMo is not to write something good. It is just to write something uh, to help you build that base level of knowledge. Uh, but yeah, that is the thing that I wanted to say. Um, I think that about wraps us up. Uh, the couch is folding up. Indeed. The couch is folding up. So... <laughs> Farewell from the past. I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. I'm Caitlin. And you've You're been listening, listening to The Crusading Couch. Last one. <laughs> Excellent.